Bloody Mary, the Queen, the Children's Game, and the Cocktail. Let's talk about it. I'm Fatu. And I'm Moz. And this is Dinner Dinner Party Party History. History. And today we're going to be talking about Bloody Mary. Moz, what do you know about Bloody Mary? Or I guess what do you think of when you think Bloody Mary? I think of a crazy killer. Okay. Oh, and I also think about those kids' books. Do you remember how they had those? It was a series of three, I want to say. They were for, like, young novels. Mm -hmm. And it would be a diary entry. And they had one for Anne Boleyn, one for Queen Mary, and then one for Elizabeth. Wasn't wasn't that Royal Diaries? I think so. Well, is Royal Diaries the one where it's— Because they they had had Marie Antoinette. No, this is different. This is different. I don't remember that. I have to look that up. It was top tier, Because I remember Royal Diaries, and I know they had a Mary one, because I I was under the Tudors back then. But wow. Okay, so you think of the books, and you think of murder. Yeah, I think think of, like, a crazed Catholic. Well, some would describe Mary Tudor, a.k.a. Bloody Mary, as a crazed Catholic, so you might be on the nose. So Mm. we're talking about Bloody Mary today. And I always wondered why the name Bloody Mary was there for her. And there's a couple of reasons. And it's so random because as I was doing research about it, I was reading about how Mary had really bad periods. Yes. And I'm like, and then I was like, is that what they call her Bloody Mary? Because <laughs> I've been there. I've been there. But okay, so how should we die? Also, how, how was your day? My day was fine, but I am so gung ho for this subject. I don't, I don't want to hear about your day, and I don't want to talk about my day. I okay, damn bitch, let's work. dive in. Never okay. fuck my day. I think we have to start with her, like from the from the top. And if you are a you know a recurring listener, our first episode, a main topic was Henry VIII, and we're going to be talking about his dumbass again. Like we're not Tudor stands, but it's just if the T's there, the T's there. And if you didn't know, um, Bloody Mary is Henry VIII's daughter, his first daughter, first surviving child, Mary. And he named her Mary after his favorite sister, Mary, which is so sweet to me. But again, you can be sweet and also be a murderer. So, you know, it is what it is. Okay, so how, how are we starting? Let's jump in. I mean, I think we should start with, you know, she's born. She's born. She, Like you said, she's the only surviving child of King Henry and Catherine of Aragon. And Catherine of Aragon was what? Wife number three? She's one. Okay, she's one. Okay. She's, yeah. Okay, right she's from the start. H-B-I-C. She's H-B-I-C. She's the first wife. Mm-hmm. And again, this is what? The 1500s? Yes. People don't live like they used to. Babies just... Yeah, she had a tough time because so many stillborns. She had a lot of stillborns so and many children dying as babies. And you know what? Elizabeth, not Elizabeth. Ooh, I'm skipping ahead. Mary, she, she's turning in her grave right now. She hated Elizabeth. I know. Mary was like Harry Potter, the boy who lived. She lived. Yes. And he- Henry calls her the pearl in his world. He adores her. He was like, okay, it's not a son. Because prior to this, prior to Mary, um, Catherine of Aragon did have a son. And he was so overjoyed, was freaking out, had a whole parade celebrating the son. And then two weeks later, the son died. And so it was like, okay. We have Mary. It's a child. It's living and it's healthy. It's not what we wanted, but at least it's a live child. So let's start there. So they they were very happy. And again, the pearl. Right. And they definitely started to prepare her early on as if she was going to rule. I mean, they sent her to Ludlow, which all of the princes would go there. And her mom was really adamant that she was going to be the one that was going to rule. She taught her Latin, which at the time was very masculine. King Henry even, you know, had suggested that that would be the outcome. Right. And so 
because of that, you know, things were looking pretty good for Mary at the beginning. It's like, okay, yeah, she's not a boy. She's not a son like the kingdom and her dad really wanted. But it's like she's a very educated, smart girl. Period. And she was good at playing instruments. And I was reading, listening to something. They said, like, somebody was her her music instructor. Like, I, I forget the name already, but it was, like, fucking— Handel or Bach, <laughs> something crazy. Where it's like, mm-hmm. damn, he was your teacher. It's like having like what's she's this? living a bad bitch life. It's like imagine Quincy Jones as your music teacher. Shit was banging for Mary, so everything was good on that front. She had a great education, and the education was so good that it's like even if she didn't become queen, she could entertain guests of the court. And when did shit turn south? So shit went south when. After Mary is born, it's like, okay, let's try to have a son. Let's try to have an heir to this throne. Catherine of Aragon couldn't have the son. She had miscarriage after miscarriage. And you know that damn Henry VIII. It's like, this was the first one. So it's like, if you can't give me a son, you got to fucking go. But again, this is the 1500s there in the Catholic Church. You can't just get divorced. So it's like, what can we do to make this marriage not legitimate because you didn't give me a son, so what what are we going to do? Right, and I mean, I do think, I know he was frustrated with Catherine. They say that she got really, he's so fucking fatphobic. It comes back to that because he was talking about how she got really bulky. And it's like, bro. Again, look look at at yourself. Bulbous Um, ass. But Mary's 11 at the time, and then she's at school. She's away at school. And Anne Boleyn. Wait, we forgot a very important part of this story. So, Catherine of Aragon is from Spain. España. This is the Rosalia of the story. She's Spain, and she's very, very Catholic. And Harry, I mean, Henry, everybody, yeah, they're all Catholic, but it's like, again, the tide is turning. But again, the Catholic piece is very important, so go on. Okay, so Anne Boleyn comes in. She is... She's working her charms. I think she may have a little bit of voodoo poon, if I could say, because he really gets—he's in a trance by her. He wants to marry her. But again, like Fatu said, we've got the Catholic rules. And the Pope refuses to grant the divorce. He says no. And Henry's trying for about five years to no avail. And so this one guy, the Archbishop of Canterbury, he hatches up this huge plan where he's going to— grant the divorce in defiance of the Pope. And this great schism starts, where now Henry is, he's ripping England from its Catholic ties, and it's going to be the Church of England. And instead of the Pope being the head, it's going to be he Henry. Is, he's he's the ruler of the Church of England. And it's crazy because at this time, when he, he's doing all of this, he basically exiled Mary and Catherine of Aragon. He sent them away and he separated them. So Mary was trying to send her mom letters. She couldn't even speak to her mom and she was begging her dad, like, please let me speak to her because at this time she was finding out that her mom's health was not in a great place. Obviously, Catherine of Aragon is freaking out because she's like, okay, I'm estranged from my husband. I'm not with my daughter. Like, I just want to be with her and is trying to make things right. And at one point, she goes to the court. She's with Mary and she's in front of of Henry VIII, and he, she's basically on the ground, like, at his feet, begging to be taken back, like, listen, I'm, like, with you, like, like begging. And as I was listening to this, I'm like, stand up. Literally stand up. You are on your knees 
This but son it's of a so bitch. humiliating. It is humiliating. For him to say that their marriage was never legitimate, and that Mary is illegitimate, she's a bastard. And he tried to pull this whole thing because Catherine of Aragon, wasn't it that like she was previously married to his brother? Yes, but it's all bullshit. But he was married to his brother and Catherine of Aragon went before the church before the wedding claiming that she did not consummate her marriage with Henry VIII's brother. So that's why their marriage was legitimate. They didn't consummate it. They, they didn't fuck. They didn't do anything. So it's like, this is a legitimate marriage. And he was saying, it's a lie. And he was pulling something from the Bible. I don't know if it was Leviticus or something, <laughs> but in this Bible verse that he pulled, it basically said, like, if you sleep with your, your brother's wife, then you're going to hell. Some shit like that. Look, you went to Catholic school, not me. So I'm just drawn out of a hat here. But it was essentially that. And Catherine of Aragon is like, no, 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 no. Like, I, I didn't fuck your brother. I swear, we were just married, but we didn't fuck. And they just wasn't having it. Wasn't having it. And it destroys Mary. I mean, she doesn't want to concede that she's a bastard. Why would she? And Nobody again, how do I go from being the pearl of your world to, the to now I'm your fucking little demon child? Makes no sense. And she's she's having bad periods, guys, at this point in time. Yeah, at this point— She's a teenager and she's going through puberty and it's pretty bad. And I've checked the analytics and we have a lot of female listeners. So if y'all understand, you understand we've all had some pretty bad periods. And this is in the 1500s. There is no Tampax Pearl. There is no Tampax Sport. No organic tampons. This bitch has endometriosis untreated. And what would piss me off even more is if I'm suffering and then everybody's just like, oh, she's having her troubles again. Oh, it's just, oh, it's Mary acting up again. That's going to send me over the edge. You're not letting me see my mom, and you're calling me a bastard. You're creating a villain. You know what's so crazy? In high school, I remember I found out what the word bastard meant. I thought bastard was just another cuss word. And so I found out bastard meant like what it meant, like, oh, you're, you weren't legitimate. Your parents weren't married. And so I would find out people at my school were bastards. <laughs> I was calling them bastards. I'm so sorry. If you're listening to this and your name is Caitlin and I called you bastarda, I am so <laughs> sorry. But <laughs> I learned the word. So bastards. Back to the bastard. Back to the bastard. So... She is now—she's 17 when the divorce is final, okay? And she is demoted. She goes from being a princess to now being the servant of her her sister, who mm-hmm. she would probably think is like a bitch ass because she hated Elizabeth. And I try to sympathize with her because if I had to be the servant of Elizabeth, that would probably set me off as well. And here's the kicker. Anne Boleyn was telling the keeper of Mary— that while she's, you know, tending to Elizabeth, that she needs to sh- hit her and beat the shit of, out of her basically any time she refers to herself as a princess. or And she was also telling everybody at the house to call her a bastard. And that's the thing. I learned this recently. But back then, if you wanted to be considered a princess, you had to be the firstborn daughter, like the heir apparent. Not every daughter in the family was a princess. You had to be the eldest legitimate firstborn daughter. So the firstborn daughter, that is a princess or the most legitimate one, which at the time after she was stripped was Elizabeth. So it's not like, oh, it's just Princess Mary and Princess Elizabeth. There's only one princess. Mary was just Lady Mary, not the same vibe. And, you know, I think she probably, she prayed a lot. She was a Catholic, a devout Catholic woman, and she clung to her prayer. But then her mom died. And I think she was feeling pretty downtrodden. But Simultaneously, it would seem Anne gets accused of treason, but 
But I think we'll have to talk about Anne's story at another time. We'll get back to her. But Anne gets beheaded, and Mary thinks this is my time to get back in my daddy's good graces. So she writes a letter to Cromwell, who, again, we've talked about. That's Henry's right-hand man. And she says, please let me write to daddy. Cromwell allows it. She begs her dad, like, hey, let's 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 reconvene. Let's figure this out. And he says, absolutely not, unless you sign this declaration that I'm going to send to you where you basically renounce that your mother and I were ever married. You renounce your title. That's the only way we'll be back. And so she does it because at this point she thinks that she's, you know, she's going to be killed next. Because he does say in the letter, like, you're going to be deemed a threat to England. And so she signs it, and I think that haunts her for the rest of her days. Would you have signed it? Absolutely. I don't care. I'll keep my own personal thoughts. But like, if you're gonna, I mean, it's a podcast. You can share your personal thoughts. No, I'm telling. Like oh, in that I time, was like, what are we doing here? <laughs> in that then? time, I'm going to still think, yeah, he's a fucking dick. But I'm gonna keep my life absolutely. I mean, you don't have a choice when your dad is your op. Like, yeah, if your dad is coming for you, you have to do it. 100%. But she thinks that she has betrayed God. And she'll always, in all of her letters and her writing, she's always talking about her conscience, how that dictates everything. And this was her ultimate betrayal. She's very religious. She's one of those, my God is an awesome God kind of girls. Like that one kind of re- really nice but super religious girl in your class that you were kind of afraid of but really respected, that was Mary. Yeah. But then Henry dies. Henry dies. But before Henry dies... He was with Jane Seymour. Yes. And with Jane Seymour, his third wife, I believe, that is who he had his first living son with, Edward V. Sixth. Sixth. You know, all the fifths. <laughs> so he, Jane Seymour had his, his son, Edward VI, and it's great because it's like, okay, I have these two daughters. I had a son before, but the son didn't live long enough, and we have a son. He's healthy. He's living. This is going to be the heir. At one point, they were calling him, you know, the king of England, but obviously it was just a title because he was so young, but it's like, okay, two daughters and a son. They might be bastards, but it's like, yeah, you know, a kid is a kid. Things are looking up. Things are looking up. And Edward takes the throne when he's nine years old. Mary at this time is 31. Mary is 31, and, you know, it's a shaky time, and then— And he's a gung-ho Protestant, mind you. I don't know how much we can say it was him, though. It was Yeah, because I'm like, he's nine years old. He dies when he's 15. He dies when he's—and, spoiler alert, he had TB. He was (coughs) coughing. I'm sorry, that was— Much like me last week. That was fucked up. Not me making fun of people with tuberculosis. I'm so sorry. You know, TB also took out um, Gavriel. The guy that Gavrilo? Yeah. I thought he was executed. No. They didn't execute him. He died him? of TB. Wow. He was too young. I think he was something about his age, even though he was 19. Maybe you had to be 21. Anyway. Hey, tuberculosis is taking out the best of them. The point being is I'm sure it was mostly his, the people, his government surrounding him, but they really tried to remove and eradicate Catholicism from England at the time. They wanted to make it so that communion, which, Fatu, I don't know that you've been to a Catholic service. I've I've only been to a Catholic church once, and it was for a baptism. I know the communion is the wine and the the crackers. And when you go into a Catholic church— Are the crackers good? I told you I've never actually—I'm not Catholic. I just went to Catholic school. She went to Catholic school, K through 12, 
Never had the crackers. Never. I mean, she might have snuck some wine, but she never had the crackers officially. Don't speak on me. Point being, when you've gone into a Catholic church, it's pretty ornate, you would say, right? It's pretty cool, It's yeah. a production. Catholic, Catholic church is very ornate. The <laughs> yes. candles, the drapery, the drip. Yes, and they wanted to get rid of all of that, which, you know, they have their own reasons for doing so. Some of it makes sense. But this was abhorrent to the Catholic folks, especially Mary. And Edward even banned Mary from going to church. Mind you, this bitch was in church four times a day. I don't know how much of it was just for production, a but day? four times a day. With her, I believe He it. says, you're not allowed to go anymore. It Like, the church service is banned. This sends her, her head spinning. And she's thinking, I've had enough. She says, she writes to her cousin, I think it was Emperor Charles. Charles V. Okay, and mind you, brief intermission. So, Charles V is her cousin. And when she was two years old, she was betrothed to Charles V, meaning she was supposed to marry him. They had that plan because he's in France. We and love like, okay, incest. To have a strong alliance with France, we need to marry off her to her cousin in France. So it's like, oh, wait, no, fuck, that was in France. They, it, <laughs> it was in Spain. Yeah. So it was like, okay. And he was like, okay, sure, yeah, it's going to be my wife. Mind you, he was born in 1500. She was born in 1516. So there's almost a 20-year age gap. And he's still kind of down with it. And she was in love with Charles. She'd write him all these letters. She at one point sent him a ring. He put it on his pinky saying, I'm never going to take it off. You know, in the way where like, you know, an older guy is like, oh, this girl has a crush on me. It's sweet. It's adorable. But she was fucking in love. And she's like, he's going to be my husband. So I have to love him. And she was really into him. And he was basically her only ally. It's like, my cousin, he gets me. He understands me. I love him. Love him as a cousin. Also love him as a lover. She was really into him, but eventually, because she was too young and he wanted to get married now, and it was like, okay, we need to get married, teach her whatever the version of Spanish was in 1500s, got to teach her that. And her dad was like, absolutely not. She's too fucking young, which of course she was. So didn't happen. And he ends up marrying Isabella, that lady. And so they remained cousins and not cousin fuckers. So, so uh, yeah, she's abstaining from fucking her cousin at this point. <laughs> As, as we should, as, as you just pointed out. But she writes to Charles and she's saying, You gotta get me the fuck out of here. She's like begging. I'm not allowed to go to church anymore. I think they're gonna I think they're gonna try to kill me. And so they hatch this plan where he's go, she's going to in the night disappear. She's gonna go on the Thames and she's gonna escape to Spain. But Edward dies, like Fatu said, of TB. And it's almost like um it's, what is your burnt toast theory? It was perfect timing. Literally, one little thing happens that changes everything. That changes everything. Because literally they say that that before that happened, she was packing up her shit and the guy that was supposed to escort her over to Spain, I mean, he was so annoyed with her because he said she was having a mental breakdown, basically. what What's to become of me? Her room was a mess. She's not packing fast enough. I literally had a mental breakdown yesterday. Get over it, Mary. Yeah, I mean... You know, you two had a lot of similarities. Literally, that mental night. breakdowns, bad periods. Mm -hmm. Didn't want to fuck my cousin, but um, I have a half sister. Anyway, Fatu, I'm going to save you from going down a bad road. <laughs> um, so Edward is dead, and she thinks this is my fucking time. But Edward had made it so that what is her name? Like Lady Jane Grey. Lady Jane Grey. Lady Jane Grey. Because he doesn't want a Catholic on the throne. So he has his cousin, 
Lady Jane Grey. I said sweet Lady Jane Grey because I was oh, thinking sweet of— sweet Lady Jane. Uh, but sweet, this is not even our favorite place. We have a new favorite right. bakery. Our favorite bakery at the time in L.A. closed down, Sweet Lady Jane. But we found a new place. We got a new spot. Yeah. Forget about Sweet Lady Fuck Jane. Fuck you, Sweet Lady Jane. If you're in L.A., go to Marigold Bakery. Yes. Um. Anyway, so— this, but it wasn't just Edward the Sixth thing that it was John Dudley. Oh, John Dudley was a guy's getting because Edward was just a teenager. It's like he didn't really I'm care that much. Boy. He's just a boy, and so he really wasn't making all these decisions. There's obviously bigger people, older people, right. who are in charge that are kind of leading the pack. And there's this man, John Dudley. He's a duke. He's a duke of Northumberland, and he's stirring the pot and is trying to make Lady Jane Grey, who was Henry VIII's grandniece, the queen. Yes, but the people learn about it. They, didn't they want, want their princess back. Before there was Princess Diana as the people's princess, it was Mary, to be frank. She was. I mean, they wanted her. Even the Protestants wanted her. So she's basically on a caravan being escorted town from town as she's approaching the throne. This was a takeover. I mean— Lady Jane only lasted nine days. That's how long she was queen. And then Literally, Mary she takes was, they the throne. And when they announced that Lady Jane Grey was queen, everybody was like, I, I know you fucking lying. I, I know right. you lying. Because Mary, that's the queen. And people were saying, like, this is all just dumb religious beef. All this nonsense shouldn't mean Mary can't be queen anymore. What do you mean, sweet baby Jane? Whatever her name was. We don't <laughs> want her to be the queen. And so... Freaking John Dudley, he tries to kidnap Mary. And that's when the council announces that Lady Jane Grey is the queen. Doesn't work out because Mary has all her supporters. And so her and her people, they start marching. And then Dudley's people, they start marching. Dudley's got 3,000 people. You know how much Queen Mary has? She has 20K. Fuck your 3,000. I got my people. I'm the people's princess. She was a people's princess. And so then after that, she becomes the queen. And her goal... Is well, one, it is revenge. She's gonna call it justice, but it's revenge. It was Texas justice, but it was kind of revenge. And before there was make America great again, it was make England Catholic, Catholic again. again. <laughs> and so that's immediately, I mean, I think the first thing she does is she goes back in time and rewrites history. Basically. She sends out an edict saying that the marriage between my mommy and my daddy was real. I'm no I was, bastard. I was never a bastard. I'm not bastarda. I'm Mary. Exactly. Bitch. She unifies England with the Catholic Church again. And this is where things get a bit, where you start to wonder, maybe there's something in the Tudor bloodline where it's just something's a little bit off. Because a papal envoy comes to see her to basically thank her for uniting the Catholic Church in England. And as he sees her, he tells her, you know, the first lines of the Hail Mary. And these are supposed to be the words that Gabriel told the Blessed Mother. You went to Catholic school. What are the first lines? Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed are thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. I don't even know whether you're wrong or right, so you were right. Yeah, and it's not my faith for the last time, okay? I'm just a Catholic scholar. Ooh, I love that. <laughs> Regardless, um, he recites those lines to her. And why that's so relevant is because these are the lines that Gabriel is— the archangel is alleged to have told Mary when he's saying, listen, you've got Jesus in your womb. Mary then writes to that envoy and says, your words were a premonition. You saw what I didn't see. I'm pregnant. 
And she, th- okay, and mind you, we we kind of skipped a part because Mary. Oh yes, we did. Mary skip gets a part. married to Philip II of Spain, España. She's half Spanish, so she gets her Spanish man, and they get together. And Mary is so so happy. Like obviously, everything back then was very political. And mind strict. you, this is Charles's son. Charles's son. And it's just like, okay, still in, in the family. So it's like, if I can't marry my cousin, I'll marry his son. So my second cousin. And she's very, very happy about this. She's so in love. And she's again, down bad. Everything was political, but it's like she actually really loved him. So it's like everything works out, but it's like, I really do love this guy. And mind you, while she's over here, I really love this guy. His friends are saying, you know, you're such a good guy for, quote, dealing with a woman you could never expect physical pleasure nor satisfaction from. And it's like even the people of England weren't happy because it's like you were expected to submit to your husband and go with what he goes with. So it's like, wait, this dude's fucking Catholic from Spain. We're going to have this Catholic ruler? And obviously, Philip is just like, listen, I'm in it for the power. I'm trying to be king. Like, I'm trying to make the fucking money moves over here. Like, I'm not here for shits and giggles. And so basically, everybody about this is not happy except Mary. She is geeked. And mind you, he married her when she was 38. And yeah. And so he's kind of being made to be the laughing stock in Spain as well. She's a bit long in the tooth. They're saying she doesn't dress well. She's pale. She's got white hair. She's old. She's a ginger. But regardless, she thinks that she is pregnant with his child. And turns out she wasn't. She was experiencing all the symptoms. Doctors even confirmed her pregnancy. So she's thinking, oh, my gosh, I'm pregnant. I'm so excited. And then the— Cradles are made. Cradles are made. The due date comes. Announcements are out. Letters have ink on them. Due date comes and goes. The baby never comes. And it was basically a phantom pregnancy. And looking back now, like— I can understand why they thought it was a pregnancy because obviously her belly is getting bigger. Eating she too much wanna, frijoles. She doesn't want to eat. <laughs> She's experiencing all the symptoms. But they say that she might have been experiencing like these really bad ovarian cysts or tumors. So that explains why she was having all those symptoms of a pregnancy and it kind of looked like one, but it really wasn't. And she thought that the the fake pregnancy was God punishing her for letting those heretic Protestants slide. And that's when she's dun, like, dun, dun, dun. that's when like, the light switched off the right and she goes, I got to start killing bitches. Literally. That was the straw that broke the camel's She back. starts, because also I think Philip was so, Philip is her husband, by the way. Philip was so embarrassed with her after that phantom pregnancy scandal that he ends up going to Spain and he's taken down bitches while he's there. And she's hearing news about he it. He's having it. And she's writing, I'm so jealous. Please come back. He's just not into it. He never was, to be fair. But, um, the people that are there in England know it's not Philip, but it is the Protestants. And so, like you said, shit starts, it's like she starts seeing red. And she hosts a trial for the Archbishop of Canterbury, the one that we talked about earlier, who is the one that came up with the whole scheme to grant the divorce. She puts him on trial. That son of a bitch. And quite cowardly, he recants. His statements. He it was says, just a prank, bro. He says, just listen, I'm I'm team Catholic. I think the Church of England is not what's hot right now. I'm ready to return. The marriage was always legitimate. You are the heir. And because of that, you would think, okay, he's not going to be executed. Wrong. Wrong. <laughs> she says, you know what? She writes in her letters, 
I want him dead anyway, which is why I say a bit of revenge. Because it's like he's already allegedly come back to the good side. I mean, that was the man who basically helped ruin her life. I mean, her dad was like probably the biggest villain of it all. But it's like, you son of a bitch. You knew this was wrong and you did it anyway because he was a dick rider. I'm just saying as a devout Catholic, she clearly wasn't doing it for the faith because Jesus is all about forgiveness. Listen, okay? she said Jesus saves, she Mary said, kills. <laughs> exactly. He had to die for his sins. Um, so she come, she has him read his statement as he's supposed to be burnt alive. And he stands up on the pulpit. He's saying it, but then he switches course. And he starts saying how basically fuck Mary and fuck the church. He says that the Pope is the Antichrist. Oh. And they're trying to like rush him off the stage, but he's just going off and off calling her a bastard and everything else. Burn me. And... They burn him alive, and they say the legend is he extends the the hand into the fire, which is the one that he signed his recant statement with, and that's what burns first. And stunt queen. Uh, yeah, stunt queen. And the reason why, I mean, that was like in vogue to execute people at the time. But the reason why she was also burning people at the stake is because it's like it's symbolism. It's like this is what you're going to experience if you if you go to hell unless you say that, you know, Catholic is the right way to go. So it's like you can recant and say it's all wrong and say Catholicism is the way to go. But if you're Protestant, you're you're going to burn in hell. So this is how it's going to feel. So let it go. And she was twisted because she would have people watch people get burnt, and then they would go next. Mm-hmm. So it's like she wanted you to have to witness it, and she would even burn pregnant women. She did not care. She And she was also mostly, like, taking down heretics. A lot of these people that were, like, Protestants, she was just taking them down. Alleged heretics. Alleged heretics. Right, also. because— They all couldn't be heretics. Some of them had, some of them were, obviously, but it's like, ah. And they say she killed about anywhere from three to 400 people. And In it's like, two years. In two years, which honestly is a lot. Killing one person is too many people to kill. But it's like, in the grand scheme, compared to her dad, her dad killed anywhere from what? Fifty to 60,000 people, and she's getting called Bloody Mary? They're not calling him Bloody Henry VIII? No, I think it's honestly because hers were so religious-focused. It's not like they were committing actual crimes other than just adhering to their faith. We love Protestants. Please let that be We known. love all religions. It, I mean, mostly it was like bad PR because after she dies, this man, John Fox, writes this book called The Book of Martyrs that kind of shared all the suffering of the Protestants and really went into great detail, even had these illustrations of what she was doing. And so it's just like, okay, this girl was bad. And that's where the term Bloody Mary was coined. But okay, so that was jumping ahead. So let's kind of go back. So she's burning all these people. She's getting those Protestants. And she's, well, she does have another phantom pregnancy is what's so embarrassing because I'm like, bitch, did you not figure it out the first time? She didn't know. It's 1500. I don't know, but other people were catching on. Everybody knew but her, but she was crazy, June. She had these thoughts that she was so close to God that it's like God is the, I mean, come on. And yeah, okay. The first one, it's like, okay, we all kind of thought. And the second one, it's like, I don't Yeah. The second one I'm not writing with her know. for. We don't know. But I listen, the again, she was having a lot of health problems and a lot of them mental were health. reproductive. Well, mental too, but a lot of them were reproductive issues. So I can see why it's like, 
wait, I'm not having a period. I'm having all this pain. I'm not hungry. I have cramps. My belly's getting bigger. Like, have you ever not? I mean, actually, no, I was going to say, have you ever thought you were pregnant? Probably not. But I'm like, many people felt that. For 11 months? Thanks. Um, um, so <laughs> she does start getting really ill, like you said. We think that she died from ovarian cancer That's or the flu. It, was, the flu. it could be it's, anything. Yeah. Could be, at that point, it could have been anything. I feel like it's giving ovarian cancer with all of the swelling of the womb. Right. And eventually, that is what takes her out. The good, I would say the good sis, the, the sis. And what Mary. does her man say? He says, I only feel moderate grief. That's going to fucking... She got fucked over in the end multiple times. Because when she wants to be buried next to her mom. And instead, they bury her next to her, her nemesis, Elizabeth. And if you go to the tomb, you'll see that there's this beautiful, like a little statue of Elizabeth. And Mary just has a little black plaque that says, Bloody Mary. Fucked up. Well, really, is it though? I mean, she seems like she kind of deserved it. Okay, my thing is, it's one of those things where it's like, I call it in my head the school shooter theory. It's like, yes, she was bullied. Yes, people were awful to her. Yes, she went through all this shit with her dad and Cranmer and all these people who did these things to her. Did it justify the ends? No. Do I understand why she did it? Yes, but it doesn't excuse it. It's an explanation for her decisions, exactly. but it's not an excuse. She deserves to have a black plaque next to her enemy. But that means everybody else deserves to have a, a black plaque. Everybody else deserves to get dragged. Of course. Okay, so question before we jump into the next part, the urban legend, the children's game. Fuck, Mary kill. Charles V, Philip II, and I'm going to throw in this 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 asshole Cranmer. Oh, I'm killing Cranmer. He's awful. He's awful, and also stand on your word. Like you, he was always just self-seeking. Um, I think you said Emperor Charles, right? Yeah. So I've got a father-son. Do I'm fucking one father and I marry? Okay, got it. I think might, he had a Habsburg. I'm job. gonna. I, he did have a Habsburg job, but he at least seems more loving and caring he wasn't whereas like philip II. seems very very selfish and cold he doesn't really seem that capable of love at all so that's my thing i'm marrying emperor charles aka dad fucking the son and then killing the traitor i'm gonna go the same way have you ever you dated a guy from spain España? i don't think so I feel like the European men I've dated are French Oof. or, well, yeah, or something else. I can't else. wait till we take our Euro trip. We're going to test them all. We're going to come back and tell you all about it. Bitch, the way you said that, that's coming back with like fucking ibuprofen shots. <laughs> no, penicillin. Penicillin. That's what it is. We're going to leave with Z-Packs. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. So now that we got through that, so Bloody Mary dies. The book by John Fox comes out about the Book of Martyrs, and she's in it, and she's not painted in a good light. So it's bad PR. She's dead after she dies. Her sister, who she had a love-hate relationship with, Elizabeth, she becomes a queen. And it's like, even though Elizabeth, even though Mary did bad things, she also did some good things. She made some reforms in the country in terms of fiscal policy. But after she dies, Elizabeth gets all that credit, which I'm sure, again, turning in her grave about that. Karma's a bitch. So she dies, and then time goes on, 
somehow all of a sudden we all know about this myth, Bloody Mary, where it's like you stare into the mirror anywhere from, I don't know, three times, five times, ten times, a hundred times. You say Bloody Mary in the dark to the mirror. And apparently if you say it a certain amount of times, a ghost appears. Mary appears. And haunts you. She'll bruise you. She'll scratch you. So tell me about this Bloody Mary theory. Okay, first of all, I have never played the game. I vividly remember as a kid someone locking me in the bathroom and trying to say it from outside, and I weeped. Because you know how scared I am of anything devil-related. She doesn't like dark stuff. I don't like any spirit stuff. It scares me. Um, But that whole time, I did think it was Queen Mary. Turns out it's actually Mary Worth, which is literally just some woman who lived in the woods in New England, 17th century, and— No ties to Queen Mary whatsoever. Okay, but I heard there was a lot of Marys. Some people were saying it's Elizabeth Bathory, that Hungarian countess that was like killing and torturing these, you know, young women and bathing in their blood. They were saying it was Mary Worth, Mary Ruth, Mary Lou, Black Madam, Mary Wales, Mary J. Blige. It's been like 500 (laughs) different fucking Marys. Which And see, I only know about Mary Worth. I don't even know about Mary Worth. <laughs> the story of Mary Worth is, like I said, she's just, you know, a lonely single woman, probably in her 40s. She's cultivating her garden in the woods. And again, I said New England, so you should be having alarm bells going off, thinking, oh, fuck, are there Puritans? They were burning bitches at the stake. Uh-oh. And that's exactly right, because the Puritans were going to her, but they didn't like her. She lived in the woods for a reason. She was kind of ostracized. And they would go to her for little treatments when they needed it. You know, maybe a little wart here or there, maybe a bad tooth. Otherwise, she's not seen. Everything's fine until these little girls go missing. And I guess, two, like a couple knocks on Mary's door. And when she answers, she looks really youthful. And they didn't think it could be a mask or some type of thing or maybe dim lighting. They immediately think, oh, she's got to be... She took the kids and she drained them of their youth, and she's a witch. And while they're plotting and debating one night, I guess one of the leaders of the pack, their daughter wakes up in the middle of the night. She's in a trance. She leaves the house. The mom sees her. They start chasing after their daughter, but she doesn't hear her. The daughter is just completely under a spell. And I the, wish we were recording this episode because the way she's painting a picture with her hands and her eyes, this bitch is jogging in place. <laughs> she is fault. They see a little light, kind of like if you've seen Sleeping Beauty, how there's that little green orb mm-hmm. that Aurora follows. It's just like that. And they see nobody else but Mary Worth in the woods holding the light. And so naturally they grab their pitchforks and they start charging after her. But one guy, he has a pistol, and so he shoots Mary in the leg. Mary falls. They tie her up, much like Queen Mary, and they burn her at the stake. And as she's on fire, the flames are engulfing her. She says, I curse you and all of your posterity. Each of your children will fall by my hand. And so that's where the spell came from, well, the the urban legend. So you've never done the Bloody Mary game. I've done the Bloody Mary game. And the Bloody Mary thing, it's it's there it's like a story that just grew legs cuz <laughs> everybody no matter where you're from, if you know about the Bloody Mary urban legend, everybody has a different way of doing it. Like, oh, you say it 3 times. Oh, you say it 5 times. Do it 100 times. And I remember 
when I was younger, you'd have to look into the mirror and say three times, Bloody Mary, I killed your son. Bloody Mary, I say it three times. And I was thinking about, again, Mary Tudor, she didn't have no damn son. She was having phantom pregnancies. We didn't kill her son because it didn't exist. But maybe that's how the urban legend started because she was magic. Anyway, that's that's not what went down. Get your tin so, hat. So you you wouldn't do the Bloody Mary I'm thing. not doing it now, and I didn't do it then. Forever. You're not, okay, no, you're not I'm just not going to do it. It's not my cup of tea. I commend you for participating, but I'm not there. So Bloody Mary is kind of like a Jane Doe. It's like it. some say it was about, you know, Mary Tudor. Some say it was about this Mary Worth. Definitely was about Mary J. Blige, but no matter what, Bloody Mary, urban legend. So we have Bloody Mary the person, Bloody Mary the urban legend, the children's game. Now it's time for Bloody Mary the drinks. Have you ever had a Bloody Mary? No, I have not. I don't fuck with tomato juice like that. Okay, I've had a Bloody Mary only one time. I had it at a brunch. Wait, where? Um... With my with my ex-boyfriend, we went to a brunch that um one of his friends from college was having, and he had this Bloody Mary bar, and I'd never had okay, one. Okay, a Bloody so Mary bar. Was like, oh, so it was just, a good setup. Yeah, so my ex-boyfriend was like, just, just have it. And so I had it, and I was like, wait, I kind of fuck with these. Like, I would oh, never— Oh, I would have never expected that from I you. I would never go out of my way to buy a Bloody Mary on my own, but if it's there and it's free, like it was presented to me the first time, I would have a Bloody Mary. And if you don't know, a Bloody Mary is a cocktail— Normally a brunch cocktail with tomato juice, sometimes tomato juice mixed with clam, clamato juice, vodka, various spices, salt, Tabasco pepper, sauce. Tabasco sauce. Worcestershire sauce, Worcestershire, however the fuck you pronounce it. Worcestershire sauce. And then you put shit like celery and carrots. And they've been Bacon. making these, these crazy Bloody Marys that are practically like a whole meal on top of it with all these like skewers. But that's the drink. And so now it's like, okay, where did the drink Bloody Mary come from? Given so, her menstrual cycle, a little suspicious. Don't fucking ruin it. I'm just saying. That's it's fucking gross. It's literally staring you in the face. I know, but it's like, I don't want to think about her fucking amenorrhea, her constant bleeding as I'm drinking a fun cocktail. Great word And mind choice. you, we are going to have, yeah, she did have amenorrhea. Anyway, we're going to be drinking Bloody Marys this weekend, hers for the first time. So make sure you follow me on TikTok, Fatu Chain, so you can see our Bloody Mary experience. But anyway, so where did the drink come from? So did my research. And apparently there's this bar called Harry's Bar in New York. And in the 1920s, there's this French bartender named Fernand Petitot. And this man created this drink because it's like, okay, we have vodka. And vodka was like a recent thing to come into America kind of after World War One. And so it's like you have the vodka and it's like vodka so plain, how can we spice this vodka up? So he quite literally spiced the vodka up. He's putting these spices into the vodka and he's putting in this tomato juice to kind of, you know, add to it. And it's like, okay, we got this drink. And apparently somebody in the bar, their girlfriend's name, somebody at the, the, the bar that worked there or whatever, a constant patron, no matter what, somebody's girlfriend was named Mary. And it's like, okay, the tomato juice, very little hanging fruit, looks like blood. Let's just call it a Bloody Mary. If you named a drink after me and that's what it was, we're breaking up. Uh, yeah. We're breaking Nobody up. wants to be called Bloody Mary. Nobody wants, I get it. It's kind of fucked up. So that is where we have the drink Bloody Mary. I wonder if... Well, no. Mary was so religious, I doubt she would have wanted to drink a Bloody Mary and probably would have found the name insulting. Okay, so now that we've talked about 
all three subsections of Bloody Mary. Now it's time for the most fun part of this podcast. Who are you inviting to your dinner party? I'm definitely inviting Anne. I need to know. Bolin? Yes. I want to know what sauce she has. I also want to know, is it true? Were you really that much of a bitch to, <laughs> to marry? And for what reason? Like, who hurt you? But also, were you fucking your cousin? Yes or no? Um, Fair question to Or ask. was it her brother? I think it was her cousin. Yeah. But regardless. I, but everybody was fucking their cousins back then. Is that new info? I Then it had to have been her brother. It was probably her brother. I think it was her brother, which is, okay, that's weird. And also, I haven't seen the other Bolin girl in ages. I haven't seen it in a minute but either. I love Natalie Portman in that. She's so amazing. And I know that Anne's not going to look like her. But I, I just need Nor. to, I need to see it. I also want to bring Mary Worth. Okay. Why not? Are I don't, you inviting Mary Tudor? Oh, you're really trying to. Uh, I just don't think she's going to be the life of the party. I think she's going to be judgmental. I think she's not going to fuck with us because we're not Catholics. So we might as well be burnt at the stake as well, June. Face the facts. That's true. Oh my gosh! And I oh my I grew up Muslim. She's gonna oh she's gonna do something different to me. Yeah, <laughs> Ooh, she's gonna send me to Muslim hell. Okay, maybe never that. I wouldn't invite her to my dinner party, but I would definitely like send her a card, like a voice note, just like my 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 phone in my hand, like, hey girl, like it's really fucked up what they did. You definitely didn't deserve that. You were not a bastard. Do not let anybody call you bastarda. It doesn't matter. Like keep your head up, girl. And I'm hoping that she would spare me if I no, said No, she's going to send you an executive order. And I'm going to say, hey, I'm I'm not Catholic now, but I'm super, <laughs> You'll convert. I'm super interested in learning more. Like, I love the robes. I love the candles. Like, I love Jesus. Like, just let, let me know. <laughs> Bye. I'm going to try to do that to make sure I live. I, I would invite Anne Boleyn. Sure, why not? And you know what? I'm going to invite crazy. I'm going to invite Edward VI. Because my thing is, he's going to die anyway, so it's like, ah. Even if he's coughing at the table? I'm going to invite him before the TV hits. But it's like, hey, you're probably going to die soon. Yeah. Oh, it's kind of it's kind of like a make-a-wish. Like, Oh, my God. Before you go, you can get fucked up at the table. We can drink Bloody Marys. We can kiki ha ha have fun. But you will you'll begin to cough in three days. <laughs> and three days, yeah. you'll begin to cough at worst. <laughs> I'm definitely going to invite Catherine of Aragon. <laughs> Love her. I just feel like she was such a great mother. She would love Rosalia. <laughs> <laughs> you won't let this go. I will never let it go. Um, who else? Honestly, there's not that many that I'm dying to bring over. This is not like the best cast of characters. Because Cranmer, don't want to invite you. Elizabeth, don't really want to invite you. There's not a lot of people Dudley. who Dudley. Dudley, don't no. want to invite you. He's, he's getting, you're out of here, Dudley. Bye. Yeah. Oh, well, we do have Elizabeth. Don't want to invite her. Yeah. I just I don't want to invite her. So, well, I guess that's it. This is a lonely dinner table. It's a lonely dinner table, but, you know, we're going to have a good time drinking our Bloody Marys no matter what. With some possible witches. Possible witches. And voodoo poon. That's going to be on my invite. Witches and bad bitches come yes. to our dinner party, period. Thank you so much for listening. We really appreciate it. And also... I never understood why people say this at the end of their podcast, but I'm going to say it now. Thank you to all our five-star reviewers. Somebody gave us one star. I have my hunch as to who I think it is. <laughs> if I find out it's you, you're getting your ass beat. How would you find out? Would you, like, does it show? 
I think if I like, if I was looking through phones and I said, let me we see We need your phone. a subpoena Apple. Literally, I would grab people's phones <laughs> and I would give us five stars. And if I saw you already rated us and it was one, you're going to get burned at stake. I think you're wrong. I think it was just someone who listened to it and was like, fuck this. I don't like I, it. If it's somebody who knows us, you'll begin to cough in I guess days. it's the thing. One feels personal. One feels like- Two or three, it's like, oh yeah, you just weren't feeling it. Because three, it's like, yeah, I was good, but they could do better. Four is like, I like it's it, It's actually but- Moss, our engineer. He <laughs> said, fuck these bitches. I don't want them for turning. Moss, you'll begin to cough in three days. <laughs> but thank you to all our five-star reviewers. Please like and share with your friends. Again, this sounds so, you know, annoying to say, but we really are just trying to make a safe space for people to learn history and have a good time because the U.S. public education system is not great. So we have two of us young ladies right here teaching you all the shit you want to learn in school, but probably weren't paying attention to. So thank you so much. Bye. Bye.